0: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Our Voices, Our Community. Each week, our focus will be on community issues to include, but not limited to, social issues, political issues, and economic issues that affect Roanoke, the New River Valley, and Southwest Virginia. Today, we are joined by Will Solari, Karen Cobb, and our guest, Tiffany Jordan. Will, how are you today, man?
1: I'm doing good. How are you? I am well.
0: I am well. I, you know, I, I I said I wasn't, wasn't going to bring it up, but I am a little late to our podcast today. I was sitting here eating a nice burger, and um, my assistant had to remind me that I was running late. So
1: it, it only happens when you when you let down your guard.
0: Well, you know what it is. You know, I was prepared, trying to be mentally prepared for this podcast, and then all of a sudden, I am kind of being rushed into this. So I hope I hope I'll be all right today. Miss Cobb, how are you today? Welcome. This thank is, you. This is your first time back to season two. Is it It right? is. You've it been is. out vacationing and, yeah. and doing some good things.
2: Partnering with my granddaughter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Having a
0: good time with her. It's been a good summer. Well, good. We're yeah. good. We're good. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for uh, joining us today. And then last but not least, we have our guest, Miss Tiffany Jordan. How are I, you, Tiffany?
3: I'm doing well, Robert. How about you? I'm
0: doing well. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
3: Oh, man. Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from Oak Originally moved back about two years ago. Um, been doing a little bit of work. And so um, I'm just really excited to be here. Really excited to see the things that are going on in Roanoke and happy to be a part of them. And so thank you for this podcast. Um, it's important. It's thoughtful. And so I'm just really glad to be a part of it.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Catherine Stromberg uh, and also Jose Manuelos are also away this week, but they will be back next week. And I believe this is Catherine's birthday. It is. She's it celebrating is. her She's birthday. She's celebrating her birthday. So mm-hmm. let's just, we'll just say a big round of applause. Happy birthday! I'm not going to sing. No. But yeah, we'll definitely say a nice <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> to her. And I hope she as well. Well, um, I know we've been laughing a little bit, but uh, today our subject matter, it, it is serious, and we're talking about the regarding the mass shootings over the past weekend. And um, again, it was a mass shooting in El Paso, Texas. And then hours later, there was a sh- uh, mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, uh, we'll talk about some of the parts of the shooting, uh, but also the original topic is about what does it mean to be an American here today, right now, under this, this great Trump administration. So, uh, Will, uh, let's start with you. What does it What does it mean for you to be an American right now?
1: I, you know, it's it's a it's a tough time. Um, things felt really good, whether I think I agreed with all of his policies or not during Obama's administration. Um, we weren't getting into needless wars, um, you know. People I didn't know were coming home with like post-traumatic stress. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of factors uh, that happened in the previous administration that 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 were really tough. You know that corporate overlap with with public policy and all those kind of things. And it was a nice change to get away from that. And then uh, if there was something bad about Obama, Obama's administration it seemed to activate a core group of people, um, a, a lot of disenfranchised white people who, you know, maybe again, don't think that they're racist or maybe don't see these things as, as, as racist. But it was sort of this return to this, this kind of rubbing people's nose in it, um, policies and, um, just rhetoric about the country and what it means to be American. You know I mean? In, in, in 2019, there's just this rise of xenophobia. There's this rise of, of, of entitlement and ownership over things that, that are ridiculous as, you know, the country. A country, for the most part, you know, uh, almost all of us did not originate in. And so just, I mean, the, the basic, you know, cognitive dissonance between reality and what most people believe now is really troubling.
0: Okay. Karen? What are your thoughts?
2: You know, that that's a great question, and I had to ponder that question when it was posed to us, and um, I, I had to break it down in, into two levels. Um, one is the conceptual meaning of, you know, what does it mean to be an American and the reality right now of what it is to to um, be an American. And I, I think the conceptual um, part and the reality part are moving further and further apart. Um, conceptually, you um, you know we're all supposed to be equal. Uh, we all are supposed to have the same um, chance for opportunities for for education and housing and things like that. And 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 we're a melting pot. You know, um, this as Will said. You know, none of us originated here. Um, and uh, but recently under the Trump administration, um, that conceptual um, um, idea of of what it's like to be an American um, has moved so far away um, into the what I call the Trump reality um, and that is that uh, we are under um, a lot of pressure of minorities in this country, people of color, black, brown. Um, there's just a, a, I don't know, it, it's even hard to put into words. It's just um, it's It's stressful. I think the best word that I can think of is is, it's very stressful uh, to be an American and to be a person of color in America today. Um, And, Will, you're absolutely right. It did change when Obama was president, and a bunch of people uh, really got upset about that. And, I mean, as a black person, I was proud to have a black president in the office. It was great. And, and again, I didn't agree with everything, but um, it brought out this faction. Of people who, um, I, I don't know whether the hate was just bubbling below the surface, but the current administration has allowed that hate um, to come out and to be out in the open, and it's causing stress for
0: everyone. Yeah, yeah. Tiffany, you want to add in on this?
3: Yeah. So um, I've been really thinking about the question, just like Karen, ever since you know was posed to us, and I think you know, of course. Today, um, the late Toni Morrison passed away um, this morning. And so, condolences to her family and all of her fans out there. She was my favorite author. Um, And I think about, you know, The Bluest Eye and how it really changed my life and how I think about myself as a black um, person in in America. And I, I think about one of her famous quotes, and she says, to be American um, is to be white. Anything else is hyphenated, right? Yeah. You're African American. You know, you are Latino American. Um, you are Native <laughs> American, even though you know they were here long before um, anyone uh, from Europe settled. And and so you know, that for me, I think about the rhetoric you know that that Donald Trump has given in the last couple of weeks about you know. Um, I think he was talking about the four congresswomen, the women of color, and that they need to go back to their country and go back to where you came from, and all of this, you know, just really negative rhetoric. And and I know that you know there has been a push, right, or this you know rhetoric around going back to Africa lately, um, and, and in the past as well. But for me, America is home, right? Um, and I am not leaving, right? And so I am going to make America home for me because this is this is where you know, um, we've been for, for so long. And so, but I have to agree with, with Karen, you know, it is a, it's a hard time to be a woman of color, um, in America. Um, you know, I, I remember the night that president Obama won, I was at Wake Forest, which of, of course is a predominantly white conservative, um, university. And I can, I could start to see then, right. The, the tension, um, of of white America, even as a teenager, eighteen years old, when President Obama was first elected, um, and now it is starting to manifest itself. Um, you know, ten years later, it's starting to manifest itself with so much anger um, around people of color and uh, white America feeling like they are, you know, decreasing in some type of way. So it is a it is a, a tough time. But for me, you know. Um, there has to be healing, right? And I know that there is a lot of conversation about race wars, um, and I'm not gonna say that it's something that is you know not uh, the intention of some people, um, but it shouldn't be you know a goal of ours, but it, it is a little scary to see so many, and not just against um you know black people like in Ohio, but also against Latino people like in El Paso. Um so yeah.
0: Well, it it's interesting. I mean, um I it goes back to what you were saying Will about uh during the Obama administration. I mean, he he really did try to bring a sense of hope and, um to this to this nation. And and some of us, not all of us, but some of us bought into that. And It's like it's like going it's like having Christmas. And 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 Obama was like Christmas, having he had the Christmas, he had the, the, the gifts, and then all of a sudden when Trump came in you open up that gift, it's nothing in it. It's just empty. And yeah. and now you and now you now you kind of sadness of that sadness and despair now yeah, and, exactly. you, and and nothing
1: would be better than
0: yeah and it's or, and it's kind <laughs> of like well what do we do now now I don't have a gift now my gift is gone and what do we do now
1: I mean I think you really have to start looking at the the unintended message and consequences of pandering to certain groups of people. You know, the GOP, for example, might not outright say, look, we have really deep seated racist (coughs) views, but look at their slate of candidates. Look at the type of people that they run. You know, I mean, this this last year when 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 Trump kind of rose to power, um, that was the best they'd ever done in terms of being a diverse crowd of people. But when you're constantly running older, straight, white men who are Christian and thinking that those are the always putting them as the kind of pinnacle, of the people that should be making decisions and running the country. What are you really trying to say? You know, I mean, people kind of, you know, scoff at world diversity and, you know, uh, all these, these kind of different things are ruining, you know, productivity, and whatever. That's, that's a, that's all, it's a lie. What it is doing is it's, it's subjugating the, or it's subverting this kind of notion that only a certain type of person can run the country. It's subverting this notion that only a certain type of person can do this job, only a only a man could do this job or <clears throat> this you know this is women's work or any of that kind of like just ingrained kind of terrible thinking that leads to things uh, where we're at today, you know, Trump didn't outright say, hey, I'm a white nationalist who uh, believes that minorities aren't worth as much as white people. But what he does instead is he goes, look at all these minorities that are a problem. Look at all these things that are a problem. And oh, the same time, you white people who are definitely a problem, you white terrorist, you guys are fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't have to say I'm a racist. I'm part of the KKK. I'm part of any of these hate groups or whatever else. You just have to hold that that those kind of beliefs in your heart. Demonstrate them through little actions, and that's kind of you know that's to me that's the gist of 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 that present you open up. It's not that it was nothing; it was surprise. Guess what? All these people are basically racist, whether they wear hoods or not. Yeah, absolutely. It's
0: interesting you talk about the diversity in the Republican Party because um, recently, I believe Representative Will Hurd, out of um, I believe he's out of Texas, he just resigned, I believe. And and before that, I know that several candidates of color who were running as Republicans, um, Trump really didn't even endorse them. Um, I think you're right. I think he, um, you know, um, Beto, is it Beto or how, how is it? Beto. Beto.
1: Beto. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: you know, I know it's B E T O. I don't want to make sure <laughs> make sure I pronounce the man's name <laughs> correctly. <laughs> um, you know, he, he, up, uh, very upfront and very blunt about it that he he believes he is a white supremacist and and but you look at the actions you know you know my grandfather always used to say I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day and the the what you see out of Trump is is that um, he's really not supportive of any group but one White and I won't even say can't even just say you have to say male, yeah. um you know group. And
1: it's well, yeah, and it's it's exactly it's one of those things. That, but it, the worst part is it's the it's the group that helps him the most, right? right. It's not even about trying to cast a wide net or whatever else. It's about activating this this base of a certain type of people. And there's this like and again he's subverted this idea of nationalism too. Um, that that's that's very troubling and again there's this great quote from like kenny powers which was a very troubling character at a really exceptional television show where he said you know i've been called a xenophobe but the truth is i'm not i honestly just feel america is the best country and all other countries aren't as good that used to be called patriotism and i feel like that's exactly what trump is like when mm-hmm. it comes to you know i'm not racist i'm a nationalist and and those kind of you know being like America first and all this stuff is, again, it's only America first for a certain group of people.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, some white people, not all, have adopted the philosophy that being white equals being American and that um, being white means being better than any other race and that is nationalism and and you mentioned cognitive dissonance um, a few minutes ago it's so strong within so many groups right now within religious groups within even within um, groups of, of white people whose lives who will be affected by Trump's policies in a negative way, they still back Trump because... Of the message that he brings—that your color is better than anyone else's—and everything else is out the window—and um, and then it starts filtering down into the workplace, and the parks, and the barbecues, and the swimming pools, and the Starbucks, and the, you know, um, you know, and the you you name it—you know—being black or being brown in America, um, we have been attacked so so much more openly recently because now people feel entitled that, that, that they can do this by the rhetoric that's coming out of the White House.
3: And I think that um, we, you know, there's a lot of push from different organizations and... Um, you know, companies around diversity and you know, and inclusion, right? Because I'm firm believer you can't have diversity work without inclusion work. I say it all the time.
2: That's right.
3: But what a lot of white people feel like is that. Um, Inclusion is not inclusion. It's, it's it's exclusion for them. Right. To in some type of way empower or to include people of color in conversations or in policy or, or whatever it is, is that it is excluding them. And so it is fueling right, this rage. Um, and, and make no mistake. Right. I'm 29. I'll be 30 in two months. And in you know, my lifetime. You know, I think that we, my generation has has gotten to this, well, we, we thought, oh, racism is something of the past, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's something that my grandma and my grandfather talked about, but, like... You know, we we've moved past that. And then the ugly head of racism in my generation popped up, right? Um, and, and we thought, you know, maybe our professors, you know, maybe we have old white professors who are racist. Never did we think that the people who we were sitting beside in class were also. Right um, racist in some type of way. And then we always thought that you know it may be you know where you grew up at, so maybe you just have never grew up around black people, right? Um, and maybe it's just implicit bias. And then you have a group of white males beating up you know a, a older Latino man, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so you know we're not past. The racism and the stories and, and what we remember about racism, what we grew up seeing on, on TV and, you know, the the images of the 60s. We're not past that. Right. Mm-hmm. It has it's has come back around and it's 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 unfortunate. It really, truly is.
0: Well, with the with the uh, tragic incidents that have happened uh, this past weekend, um, there are talks of um, uh, Trump coming down. To visit these areas, and and uh, some people are saying yes, and some people are saying no. Now he is president of the United States, uh, unfortunately. That is. Uh, however, that is. however, um, <laughs> in that in that role, supposedly you're supposed to be coming in as in a position of healing and uniting. Uh, what are your thoughts about them coming to those different areas of the country? And uh, and having his presence there.
3: Um, I, I, I believe it was El Paso where one of the officials were was very clear about he is not welcome here. I
0: think the Congresswoman mm-hmm. there, but the yes. mayor did ask him. Right. Well, he didn't ask, but we'll welcome was okay. him.
3: Right, right. Um, and, you know, I can't I can't blame. Right. That Congresswoman for saying we don't want him here. Whenever you spell out the name Trump and uh, rifles, right, I can see, right, how <laughs> how you wouldn't want this man in your in your city who has caused so much um, pain and hurt and death. Right. I think we would call it what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It is death. Death before before time. I absolutely could understand why they why they wouldn't want him there. I wouldn't want him there, right? Um and as much as people are saying, you know, we can't, you know, I saw the posts and people are saying we can't blame the president. He didn't shoot the gun. Yeah, but he has created the, this rhetoric around Latino um, people and, and, and immigrants that they are um, thugs, that they are rapists, that they are murderers, um, they're gang members. Um, and, and that is what is fueling this, whether we want to admit it or not. That is what is fueling this, and that's the President of the United States saying this.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will?
1: I I definitely agree, and and I I think beyond, even if you take your opinion of Donald Trump out of it, uh, history with it that President proves that it's not going to be one of those things where he shows up and goes, listen guys, I'm just here to listen, or if you don't want me to come, I respect that, but we're still going to give you guys hope and support. There's always conditions. There's no, there's no giving to just give. It's, there's always usually an agenda with him. So it becomes very troubling, even if you want to do healing, even if you want to do things like bring support to your community that needs it. I think the picking back a little bit on what you were saying, Tiffany, is that, that you know, there's, a, there's a root cause with problems with people like Trump. And like you were saying about, about inclusiveness and diversity amongst, especially like work, and I'm sure Karen, you can speak to this from an HR perspective. Um, you know, a, a guy was telling me a story the other day, well, you know, my brother was, um, you know, they ended up having to hire this, this lady who's an Indian surgeon, you know, at their work, and they interviewed her and this other guy, and they were both really good, but you know, the other guy, you know, liked to golf with everybody else, and really got along with the rest of the guys that worked there. And I was like, the fact that someone is good at golfing and had a good time golfing with a bunch of the doctors qualifying them to be a doctor proves that you're not even <laughs> aware of this kind of, like, bias that you have. Mm-hmm. And, again, this inability to critically think about things, I think, leads that kind of mob mentality that the president uh, enforces. And so while I would like to b- believe um, that people are beyond that or are better than that, it's just not always the case. And if the president went there and said, listen— I've made mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some unintended consequences to my action. Today is a new age. I am here in El Paso to make you guys like a promise, and I want you to hold me accountable to that promise. Come to El Paso. By all means, come to Roanoke. Come to my house, right? But you kind of know what you're going to get with that guy, so I don't think anyone's out of line by going, hey, it's going to be more of the same crap.
2: You know, Robert, you you said uh, earlier uh, today that Your father said he'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon?
0: Yeah, he'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, any day, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that people know that um, they they know what they're going to get, right? And they know what they're going to hear uh, when Trump comes to town. And it's always about him. He always brings it back. To him, and um, so if you have a pastor who's who's preaching a sermon about peace and so on and so forth, but you see them out in the neighborhood committing violence, um, then that's what you're going to see when you have Trump come into El Paso. You you know that he the whatever he has to say is not in earnest. It's probably scripted, um, and it's not coming from his heart. And we need leaders who really. Meet what they
0: say. Yeah, I noticed. I know. You notice every time like incidents like this. Mm-hmm. I notice when when he when Trump speaks, it's scripted. Okay. Right. You know, he I mean he reads from the teleprompter and he reads exactly word from word. He even looks at when the commas the pause. <laughs> <laughs> he that. does all of that. When when incidents like this happen, that tells me, you know, he really doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He really doesn't have that feeling at heart. Mm-hmm. Now when he's in at those uh those, galleries, those rallies. Those yeah. rallies. Oh, that's the
3: real Trump. Yeah, that's yeah. the real Trump. Yeah. That's where
0: he goes off script. He says things that, you know, is just off course and it's just amazing to me.
3: And when he's at these events, you know, when he he does come to these, like I remember when Charlottesville happened, you know, and I believe he was in Trump Hotel up in, in New York and he, when he did go off script, he it, it, he made it worse, mm-hmm. right? He made, and, mm-hmm. and I believe that it would be the same thing if he went to El Paso. He would make it worse, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Because once he goes off script, he's going to, you know, just like in Charlottesville, he says there was good people on both sides. No, there weren't, mm-hmm. right? There were racists, <laughs> right, <laughs> on one side, and that is not a good person, That's right? That's
0: adding insult to injury, right, right Tiffany? right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, when we talk about Trump and you know we've been talking about trump 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 um throughout, mm-hmm. throughout this podcast um one you know i, I saw a broadcast on t v on Friday. I usually watch I'm not going to mention the name of the broadcast, but um, one thing that they brought up was that they think um that people right now this country is going through what they call trump fatigue mm-hmm. they constantly hear. Something from this man, and it's to the point that they're literally are getting so tired of him that a lot of voters would just vote just so he would go away. I mm-hmm. mean, the emotional health of this country is based on his rhetoric um, is is down. I mean, a lot of, of some uh, there's been some surveys talking about you know emotional. Uh, we talk about mental health and things like that around here. I mean, people just so tired of hearing about uh, the racism the the verbiage that we have among each other in different groups and different segments of the community I think we're so fatigued by this that I think people uh, going next no, November now we need to talk about the issues that's true we have to talk about the issues make sure the issues uh, and and the candidates who are going to um, go against him make sure that they have um, make sure it makes sense but I think a lot of, I think a lot of portion of people, regardless, especially people who are just like, you know, I'm just so tired of him. And what I mean, what are your thoughts when, what do you think about that when I mention that?
3: Well, I think about, you know, I think that's a, I hope that we do have Trump fatigue, right? That (laughs) I really do hope our country does have Trump fatigue, Um, but also you have to do, you know, Faith without works is dead, right? It's the same thing. You could be tired of something, um, but you still got to go and vote them out. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is that the same time that we're, where we're getting Trump fatigue, and I, I guess that's what I suffer from as well. I mean, I just think he's an idiot, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it. But, you know, I, I guess I, tr- I suffer from it, but because I used to watch CNN all the time. I love CNN. Right? Mm-hmm. I love politics. I love Meet the Press. I grew up watching it with my daddy. But I, I mean, I barely watch CNN anymore, right? Because I'm just tired of seeing him, number one, and just the foolishness. The other part, though, is that the same time that we're having Trump fatigue, there are some people who probably suffer from, you know, Trump inspiration, right? And that's what's doing all of this, right? That's what's sparking all of this violence around the country. Um, And so I often tell people, it's not enough to just be tired, of Donald Trump and his rhetoric, um, you also have to speak out against those things as well. Right. You have to speak out against your family members who may be saying things, you know, about, um, immigrants and people of color, you know? Um, and so we may suffer from it, which is great, but you have to still act on it. You have to still do something about it.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I, I I would I would love to do a show where we don't have to mention anything about <laughs> problems that stem from Trump or or his administration. And I think the root of that and the and, and the thinking going into uh, this next round of elections, whether they're local, state or, or federal, is think about the mechanics though that enable these things to happen. You know, a two party system doesn't really work anyone's favor because there's compromises or like, I mean, think about, think about all the moderate. And, and like you said, a lot of the, 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 the kind of well-meaning Republicans who have had to abandon their party because of, of, of just what uh, a chaotic mess it's become and the types of, the types of things that, that you have to do now to, to remain uh, a, a good standing Republican. Um, you know, conservative values are, are, are flipped on their heads now. Christian conservative values are out the window. You know, the, the party has no real message or meaning anymore except for either Donald Trump or whoever is paying them the most money, whether it's the NRA or whatever else. And so, again, think, you know, if we don't want to talk about Trump anymore and we don't want anything like Trump again, whether it's a, a Democratic candidate or a Republican candidate, we really need to think hard about how people come into power and what it takes, and who the people are um, helping facilitate uh, them coming into power.
2: Yeah. You're right. I think we have to go back to the basics, um, and and we have to get the vote out, uh, and we've got to vote the Mitch McConnells and the... And the Trumps out of office because as long as they are our country's so-called leaders, um, there is going to be whoever, whatever the person's name is in office fatigue um, because now you have people waking up in the morning, not some people, you know, getting up and going to work and not just worrying about how they're going to perform at work or, you know, am I going to get laid off? You know, the typical things that people worry about every day when they're working, you know, am I going to be able to make my car payments, feed my family, but you're going to wonder, you know, um, when's the next shooting, mass shooting going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, can I come out of my house and not be affected by gunfire? Are my sons and my daughters going to grow up? Are they going to be able to live um, because of this um, so-called... Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, nationalism that people feel that they, they need to um, to kill others because of the color of their skin or their nationality. Um, so, a- absolutely, as long as we have that type of leadership um, for this country, um, we're going to be fatigued. And, and I have to, uh, personally, it wore me out for a little while. I stepped yeah. away from it yeah. for a little bit. I had to mm-hmm. because um, self-care is very important. And if I could stress anything Thing to anybody right now who is going through this type of fatigue. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and connecting with people who can help you get through this. And, and, and there is going to be hope, but hope comes with action and getting out and getting that vote out to make sure that we get some leadership that's going to, to look out for us
0: as a whole. So as you guys, we talked about Trump and we talk about the Republican Party. Um, you know, there's been little response or to the actions that have, the incidents that have happened in El, pa- El Paso and Dayton. Um, I tried to look to see if there was any representative or senator, and I, I did find one, actually, um, from a representative, John McAllister. He's a Nebraska state rep, and um, he tweeted uh, a post um, on Sunday night. And he represents the uh, Omaha area in the state legislature. Uh, state legislature, excuse me. And he asserted that more racist rhetoric rhetoric coming from some party members of his party is enabling white supremacy in our country. And as a lifelong Republican, it pains me to say this, but it's the truth. Um, I think that's only I only really heard really from that particular party actually just basically saying where where we're heading to as a country mm-hmm. and what some of our members and some of and some of even his own people in his party are, are thinking along those lines. I, I guess my question I'm asking is, um yeah, I know I I'm not I'm not a Republican. Um I, I don't I am a Democrat, and yeah, so I'm a car carrying Democrat, so I'm just gonna be forthright with you, um, but what what do you guys think about the Republican Party? Because eventually Trump will be gone. I mean, I, I we hope it would be sooner than later, but the Republican Party um, will be um, he will be gone. So, what do you think the Republican Party should do in this moment? We know what they're doing now, which is really nothing. <laughs> but, however. You know you know depending dependent on them usually swings, and eventually they need to do something so uh, will, if you were for some reason some crazy odd reason you d- <laughs> you joined the Republican party, what
1: would you do I hey, mean, you know this goes back to my my the, the, a two party system is a broken system mm-hmm. do you believe, again, do you, be, you so obviously you don't believe in a two party system not at all because i mean you look at look at and this and and this needs to be a warning. To everyone who is, is is a well-meaning progressive, left-leaning, whatever Democrat, is look at how fractured the Republican Party became and what came out of that. You know, if there was the if there was moderate Republicans, if there were conservative Christians, if there were uh, Tea Party and Libertarians, all had separate parties. You know the the ability to work in coalitions and to just to kind of find middle ground with, say, moderate Democrats or left leaning, you know, socialists or whatever else, whatever you know, additional parties you want to add to this, um, you would you would see a lot more get done because you have to make those kind of those kind of uh, considerations and, and 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 overlap with people to get anything done. Instead, what happens? As the playbook becomes, especially for the Republicans, let's keep poor white people mad at poor minorities. And that way, you know, we'll bring up transgender bathrooms, we'll bring up abortion. We'll do these things that keep people divided, that activate our base. And that is literally destroying our country. And, you know, some Democrats do it, too. um, But, I mean, it's really at a fever pitch right now with the type of people you see at Trump rallies. I mean, it's again, it's that cognitive dissonance. It's the the people, you know, who are screaming, you know, send her home and lock her up or whatever. And you go, are you guys racist? And they're like, no, we're not racist. And you go, but I think that woman should go back to her own country and she's a disgrace and she's a Muslim and she's gonna bring Shiite law and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, wow, that really sounds ill-informed and racist (laughs) for someone who just finished saying they weren't racist. (laughs) And, And again, I think the Republicans have to stop doing that. They have to be better than that. You know, uh, but again, the playbook for a Republican is if you don't like it and you're Paul Ryan, you, you pass some awful oh, legislation gosh. that makes you rich and you just abandon ship. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, yeah
2: that's ahead, that, that's a, yeah, that Paul Ryan thing, you know, I, I've got my money by, right? Yeah. But, but, and that's the other thing is that we've got to keep money out of politics as much as possible um, because well, that's pretty
0: hard to tell. It's, it's as, I mean, as much as, this as, is a, much this as, as is possible. Ca- I, always, <laughs> I always tell my staff. Yeah, this right. is a capitalistic. Society it is a capitalist here. society. <laughs> we have to make money to move. That on. that you know, will
2: a, never go away. But, but just one, uh, one yeah, yeah. point is that is that so whatever agenda uh, that uh, the person who bought off or is contributing to our leader that has now become our country's agenda. Mm. So I mean that's what happens when you have big money in politics, and and I know it's never going to go away. But
1: but those are the racist hope. things too. If you if, yeah. you, if you follow money. You know, think about how beholden the Republican Party—and again, here's a here's a great suggestion—anyone out there who's worried about the GOP, think about how beholden the Republican Party is to the National Rifle Association. Oh yes. Despite the fact that most uh, Republicans think we need some kind of gun reform you know, the, the the NRA was really against assault weapons when the Black Panthers were carrying them. Well, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. excuse me, assault Absolutely. style or semi-automatic yes. rifles yeah. or whatever oh, you want to yeah. call they were just a little guns nervous. that are designed just, just to kill <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. they were like, oh no, we got to <laughs> create laws, what bans them? That's the kind of racism that's built into money and funding and stuff like that that people don't think about and should be voting and, and talking to the representatives about and, and really taking a long, hard look at, does this person really serve my best interest? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. I,
3: I think, um, Robert, to your original question about the Republican Party. Um, so I was working on Capitol Hill when Donald Trump, you know, when the 2016 election happened. Um, and it was a, a buildup, uh, like you guys couldn't imagine, um, to the point where there was. So in the walkway, walking from. Uh, the House of Representatives where I work to um, to the floor um, or to the Senate excuse me how you can walk underground there's all this student artwork from people all from kids all over the country and they they submitted and you have to win and all this stuff and so every state has one and so one um, young man from St. Louis he had created this um, uh, piece of art about um, Ferguson Mm -hmm. and there was a white Republican congressman who came and took the um, the, the the piece of art down, and took it to uh, the representative from St. Lu- from, from Louis, and was like, "This has no place here," and threw it on his, um, you know, threw it on his desk, mm-hmm. and, you know it was so when we think about what so much ha- for
2: freedom of speech right. and expression mm-hmm.
3: exactly so when we think about you know people want to say oh as soon as donald trump you know became president this has been building up you now to that um, and people have been feeling empowered by him, and I remember walking to work every day, and there was this huge Yukon, right, um, truck with a huge Trump "Make America Great Again" sticker on it, right. Um, and so, and I get it. You have Republicans who are in Congress, unfortunately, right. Like I, I get it, <laughs> um, but it, it, the rhetoric. What can the Republican Party do, right? Um, it's such a convoluted question, right, because. You know, you look at the the picture that went trending a couple of years ago of all the Republican interns uh, in the in Congress, yeah, and they were yeah, all white, right. Right. right? You look at the the interns for the Obama administration, um, which I was an intern for President Obama, mm-hmm. and it was so many people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the picture now. I mean, goodness gracious, you find one kid, right? right? Um, and 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 it's like, who can fault them, right? right? Who can fault black teenagers and black college students for not wanting to work for for Donald Trump, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you did grow up Republican, right, if your family grew up Republican, I, I, I struggle with black Republicans. I'll I be honest. I do. I struggle with black Republicans, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially now.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, especially now. At one point, it's like, okay, I know that you have your viewpoints, right, and you you know, may agree with the the politics of uh, and policies of Republicans before Donald Trump. But how can you in good conscience say that you are a Republican and you're a black person right now if Donald Trump is president? Yeah,
0: it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to kind of look at someone. I have family members as well who are staunch Republicans and across the uh, family table. I, I have really look at them. I don't look, I don't put, I don't have my back to them, (laughs) (laughs) but I do look at them. (laughs) I do look at them kind of weird. Very smart. Well, well, we could talk about this forever and ever, but I think it's important we continue the discussion and hopefully we can um, eventually get to a point where um, our community will have more understandings about not only what just happened with, um, El Paso, El Paso and um, Dayton, but also other issues around our community. That mm-hmm. I think it's fairly I think it's very important that we continue these type of discussions, especially about being in America. We are one one community, one community, one nation. So thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you uh, today having this discussion. And uh, Karen, always pleasure. Always. Always. And uh, Will, thank you, sir.
1: Pleasure. Oh, yeah, no just, problem. Just reinvented the way the mic <laughs> he's, yeah, 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 you just, he's taking you just out go, his frustrations uh, on the microphone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just take that home with you. That's all right. But, <laughs> but it's always, like always a me. pleasure. Yeah. And, and Tiffany, <laughs> I'm
1: going to hold this mic for you. And Tiffany, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Tiffany, thank you. Absolutely. Thank absolutely. you. Thank
0: you. Hopefully, we uh, once. Uh, once you hear what was been said this week, you might you will want to come back and yeah, join us sometime. I would
3: love to come back. Yeah,
0: yeah, we enjoy it. You really enjoyed it. I,
3: I think that you know I love that we we talk about this. You know, I, I think that um, as much as we talk about national news, it's so important. I also, talk about local news, and oh, so yeah, I'm so we, glad oh, that you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that we do that as well. Yeah. It's important. So well, thank, thank you. you all.
0: Okay, one thing, uh, Tiffany, that we do we always talk about is. Uh, What are you looking forward to uh, in the upcoming weeks or next week? Um, Karen, what are you uh, looking forward to? you have any things you're looking well, forward to? Well,
2: I, I am still uh, able to register folks to vote, so I'm getting oh, really? ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go through a small training course online okay. to be able to register folks. So uh, right now I'm looking towards, I don't know, aligning with someone to get out into some of our um, underserved communities to uh, get people registered.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. What about you, Will?
1: Uh, this next week, yeah. I mean, I think I think I'm I'm gonna start gearing up also, like Karen, for, for voting season. Um, you know, the we we got a skate park, which was great. Yeah, so yeah, you now I, I, right? <laughs> no. I can I can I uh, can I can read focus of my attentions back on on politics, which I think I'm I'm excited to kind of see who's who's gonna kind of step out and and what's gonna start changing around around the political spectrum as well yeah what about you tiffany
3: well if anybody follows me on facebook you know i'm very vocal about um uh the evan springs uh, yes. potential development and i want to thank colors for doing some really wonderful pieces on that and i want to thank um them for uh, uh is her name betty is that her name
0: Betty Jean.
3: Betty Jean. Betty Jean. Betty Jean is uh, went on on colors this morning, and so I just want to thank her for for, and colors in general for bringing awareness to that. So I am, um, I'm. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but I do want to announce it, that um, there will be a public meeting Yes, uh, that yes. will be on August 28th and 29th at 6 p.m. at William Fleming High School. That the Again, the community is welcome and open, and we encourage you to come, even if you don't live in Northwest Roanoke. Um, uh, we encourage you to come and find out what is uh, this potential development that um, may Hopefully not, but may take place and, um, in Evans Springs. Uh, um, if you haven't heard about it already, um, go to my Facebook. I'm always talking about it. Um, it is important. I say even if you don't live in Northwest Roanoke, it's important because we have to start thinking about what our city will look like and what we want our city to look like and affordable housing and all of those things, um, and to be honest, you know, call it what it is. It's, you know. Uh, the fear and the threat of gentrification as well, right, and and development and what that looks like in Roanoke City. And so I would encourage um, anybody to please come to that meeting. Uh, It's two meetings, two nights, August 28th, 29th at 6 o'clock at um, William Fleming High School. The developers from Charlotte who are trying to develop the land um, will be there. And we are excited about it because at first it was a closed meeting, uh, invitation only meeting that was supposed to be on August first, but because we've been raising so much awareness about it, they've now opened it up to the public for two nights. And so that's the way things are supposed to be done. It's not supposed to be behind the scenes. It's supposed to be open to the public. That is what um, this this city should be about. We don't want another uh, urban renewal situation. Just well, saying.
0: Well, I hope I hope uh, <laughs> I hope you hope someone heard about that, uh, especially. Um not behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our city leaders have done too much of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and so um, thank you, thank you. And yes, we're, uh, we're, we're gonna be also doing more stories on Evan Springs and, um, and we're, um, I look forward to hearing uh, not only more people who are involved in this, but also from our city leaders regarding that subject because I think some of our city leaders have been very quiet on this subject matter, and I hope eventually they'll be speaking up a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, sooner uh, than later. Um, I know uh, for me, you know, I, I I'm actually are um, we were talking about the debates, and um, I didn't think anything was really memorable. I mean uh i hope i'm hoping that some of them will go away <laughs> um so and, and, and the list will get a little smaller yeah. but you know i just listened to i just listened to an interview um actually was on cnn and i was coming in uh this morning when we were doing the tv um segment and it was from um from joe biden and uh, and, and 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 i know people might have certain comments about uh, old joe uh, but but you know it was interesting. He was really talking from the heart about the the impact of of death mm-hmm. and how it impacted him with his son. I saw and, that and yeah. it related to the uh, to some of the parents and survivors yeah. and how and and it was and I have to admit it was very moving.
2: It um, was. You
0: can actually. You can hear Mm -hmm. that he was very sincere. Um, And actually, even after the interview was over, he still kept talking Mm -hmm. uh, to Anderson Cooper. I don't know if the interview was this morning, but maybe it was last night. It was last night. It was last night. I I just heard segments of it this morning. But it it, it really says about, uh, about heart and about love. And I'm not a heart I mean, I, I am a loving person. I mean, I, I think I am, um, but I, I, I'm not. I'm I, I'm not a real hugger, hugger, hugger. If it makes sense, and but it but it did move me with those comments. Mm-hmm. And I think these days, um, what's going on in this country, um, I think we need a little bit more heart and a little bit more love in in, in this nation. And so, um, again, I. I he almost had me sold. Joe, Joe, almost had me. I almost um, I'm, I'm waiting for some, but, but he said something that really impacted me. And I'm pretty sure what he said really impacted others, too. So, um, so I'm looking forward to hear more about uh, what the uh, vice president Biden says and we'll We'll see how that falls into the political mix here as we move forward.
3: And can I say one more thing, Robert? Um, sure. You're the
0: guest here. Oh, well, thank guest you. <laughs> <home>. You're the <laughs> guest at our home. You're far you were, too kind. Yeah, that's all right. That's all. Right. <laughs> if it was, you know, if it was Will, I'm going to have to shut him off. Right. No, but, 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 but go ahead, I <laughs> I
3: was. I was. It must have been Saturday, I guess. Um and I was in the kitchen and I could see my TV in my living room and I was watching CNN and they were talking about, it must have been Sunday, I guess, um, they were talking about the shootings and they and Bernie Sanders wa- was on and um, I was a huge Bernie Sanders fan in 2016. Um, and so, but now I'm just trying to keep an open mind about, you know, Bernie, you kind of had your time, maybe somebody else should run, but whatever, I digress. But I'm listening to him and um, the reporter just flat out asked him. Um, you know, you know, Senator Sanders, do you think that Donald Trump is a is a white supremacist? And I stopped everything I was doing and, and turned around and looked at the T V and he said, Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And I and to go along with your point, uh, Robert, we need more love and compassion, but we also need more courage. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times, you know, we've been talking about these four uh, women, you know, really trailblazing women in Congress and Nancy Pelosi and, you know, that kind of tension between this, you know, more progressive, you know, and, you know, more status quo uh, in the Democratic Party and how some people are saying that these four minority women right, um, are, are put Pushing, uh moderate um Democrats away right because they're more you know extremism or whatever they want to call liberal um and so but I think it we need more courage right because even though it may cost you some votes if you call Donald Trump a white supremacist it's the truth right
2: mm-hmm.
3: right and so we need more courage um with with all of our uh public officials um because that is what it what it's going
0: to take um I agree yeah well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tiffany. You left it on a nice note. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I try. (laughs) (laughs) You're (laughs) welcome. Thank you, and and thank you, um, thank you all for um, for coming this week, and thank you for listening to our voices, our community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. You can also listen to us each Sunday at three p.m. on WROE ninety-five point seven Radio Free Roanoke. If you like what you've heard today, leave us a review. Also, be sure to like Our Voices, Our Community on Facebook. Everyone have a blessed day.